This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining us on the phone again, as he did a couple months ago, is Dr. Michael Friedman from Evolve Direct Care right on Forest Drive. Um, how are you today? I am just lovely, John. Thank you for asking. Do you have a turkey in the oven already? <laughs> not quite yet. No, no. Uh, I'm not sure. I think this will probably get out before Thanksgiving, but if it doesn't, it will be within a day or so. Of, but we wanted to touch base with you because you are our resident medical expert on COVID, of what else we've been talking about all year. I know we've talked about flu <laughs> in the past, but COVID has really sort of um, taken everything. And I'm, personally, I've had three tests so far. All of them have come back negative. So I'm going to knock on wood on that. Yeah, and, I'm knocking over here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what, what are you seeing in your practice? I mean, at, at this point, we know that the numbers are going up. We know that uh, the politicians are all sweating profusely. It doesn't look good here in Anne Arundel County, here in the state of Maryland, here on the East Coast, here in the United States. It just looks, you know, it does not look good. So we're what are you seeing in your practice? Yeah, so uh, up to this time, COVID has been a little bit of um, a distant issue. Uh, you know, it's been, uh, you know, of course, overwhelming the practice, but the vast majority of our tests had been negative in the past, and most of uh, the COVID cases that we followed were uh, folks that had been in the hospital or kind of at arm's length. Uh, and now we're just seeing a very different picture that uh, correlates, you know, with the with uh, the statistics coming out of the Maryland Department of Health. But, you know, instead of hearing about it or having a few cases uh, rarely, it's becoming uh, uh, very common that we have a number of positives per day. And we're starting to see a lot of uh, tragic uh, circumstances where someone tests positive and they've been around a bunch of other people uh, and they all end up testing positive. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, you read about it in the newspaper that the spread is rampant in our community. Um, but when you start to experience it firsthand, it definitely feels different and a little more frightening. Well, I'll tell you, I know that, you know, for Thanksgiving, my in a normal year, I probably would have gone over to my girlfriend's house and the kids would have all been there and everything else. And this year, not doing that. It's uh, We realized that even though it would be a small gathering and certainly under the legal definition of a gathering, whatever that is made at this point, but we're bringing in six households um, between, you know, the kids at college and, and, you know, living in apartments in different towns and everything else. And it's bringing in six households. And we just figured, you know, anybody would feel like crap if we were responsible for, you know, passing that on to anybody, regardless of what the final outcome would be. I mean, I don't think anybody here in our group anyhow has any kind of underlying conditions that would put them at exceptional risk. But still, it's not something that, you know, looks strictly for old people with underlying conditions. I mean, this can affect everybody. I mean, we've seen students come out of schools with it. We've seen, you know, young, old, black, white, male, female. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, Let again, me just comment uh, before, John, before we uh, move on from that statement. You know, it, it is, it's really interesting because uh, we don't yet understand who is at risk for having a bad outcome with COVID. We know that if you're older, the older you get, the higher risk you are. But I have to tell you, we've had some people in their 80s and 90s get COVID, do okay, and go back home. So that happens. And at the same time, though... You know, there there's other people that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and, and occasionally the, the teens and early 20s that end up dying from it. 
Um, and, you know, they're not necessarily people who have a suppressed immune system or have some other underlying problem. It's, uh, you know, at least to, to our current uh, way of looking at it, it, it appears to be like a crapshoot. And uh, there was always this analogy, Linus Pauling, uh, Nobel Prize winner, uh, was chemistry, but uh, he he used to have this analogy of you, you've got this auditorium and you've got a high-powered rifle. The lights are off, and somewhere in there are your family members, and you you have to just fire this rifle into the 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 audience. Uh, and there's you know maybe three chairs are occupied, or two chairs, or one chair. Who knows? The question is, you know, do you feel comfortable pulling that trigger? Um, and the chances are you you might hit them fairly low, but Good Lord, um, you know you'd have to you'd have to put a gun to my head to pull that trigger. Um, I, you know, I just wouldn't want to be the person doing it. That's uh, that's a horrible analogy. That's well, I, I mean it's 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 very it's very shocking, but it's 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 a good one, but it's a horrible one to sit there and think to be put in a position where you've got to think about something like that. And unfortunately, that's where we all are. I think right. That's Thanksgiving this year, and and the holidays coming up. You know, I mean that is exactly. What we're looking at that, um, you know, these these folks coming in from college and and anybody, you know, because it really could be anybody, uh, you know, comes in and, uh, you know, you end up with a house full of people that get COVID. Well, if it's just you have a flu like illness, then not so bad. But, you know, if if you end up dying from it and the, the mortality from it is still, you know, dramatically higher than flu. Uh, you're just going to feel awful. Um, so, I mean, the last thing I want to be doing is telling people don't have Thanksgiving, don't have the holidays, don't get together like this. But, um, you know, we are in a really dangerous position right now. The one thing that I do appreciate and like about you is that you're coming into this without an agenda. Um, as far as I know, you're not looking at a presidential run in 2024. <laughs> You're not looking at a second term as county executive in 2022. Um, you're not. You're not a uh, a medical equipment salesman looking to, you know, put ventilators in the hospital. And you're not an ICU ER doc that's looking for drum up business here. This is something that's sort of been thrust upon you in your practice, just as it has everybody else in the in the country. And you know, you've just got the expertise to be able to sort of sift through it. And that's really what I certainly appreciate what you have. I mean, I, I realize that you're not an epidemiologist. That was the word I was looking for. Um, but you've got enough uh, enough education, enough knowledge to really opine on this. And and you look at our own health officer, Dr. Colin Arman. I mean, he is also not an epidemiologist, but uh, he's doing a – I think he's doing a fairly good job for us. Um, Definitely. So far – what is – and we hear all these different things. They've changed it up now. The the metric of the day seems to be the cases per 100,000 population. Is that the best metric to look at or is it – I mean I know at one point it was positivity and then you know deaths and new cases and, and everything else. But where – what should we really be looking at? You know, I think the most important thing to look at is if you – there's a uh, – my primary source of data is uh, um, Stat News, COVID uh, Stat News, um, and they have a tracker 
uh, which you can set at a two-week trend, a one-week trend, five-day, one-day. And you can take a look at that, and you will see Maryland is up 95.7% compared to two weeks ago. And compared to one month ago, we're up 150%. And the line that it's drawing uh, is now like double where it was at the peak of the surge, uh, you know, back in the spring. Uh, to me, the fact that that curve is going straight up, uh, you know, we've hit this exponential growth. That is uh, the most important metric to me, it, you know, seeing that number going up that fast. And is that COVID stat news? Is that the your best thing? And that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is for the, you know, for the numbers geeks and the data nerds and everything else that may be listening, myself included. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I look at the uh, Hopkins dashboard, you know, every morning. I look at the Maryland dashboard every morning, and uh, I don't know whether those are the two best ones to look at or not. And I, yeah, that was one of the questions. But COVID stat news? Yeah, I like COVID stat news because you can interact with it a little bit more uh, and see trend over time. Uh, Maryland um, Department of Health uh, page is also nice because it will tell you what's happened in the last 24 hours and what the totals are, but it, the data is not as interactive. Hopkins, uh, for a long time, that was the primary dashboard that, that I kept up with, uh, but I've, I've subsequently uh, switched over as far as uh, monitoring the trends uh, because I think the stat news is, is getting good, solid data and uh, you can manipulate it in a way that is a lot more useful. You know, we've got a vaccine knocking on wood again that is around the corner. We're not quite sure how big the corner is, but we've got two of them, I believe, at this point that have been pretty much green-lighted to start production within within weeks. But we're looking at vaccinating 300 million-plus people, which is a huge task. And I believe these are the only manufacturers that are doing it worldwide. So, I mean, we're looking at a worldwide pop distribution as opposed to just the United States, despite that we're right. the largest one. Am I correct in there? Yeah, no, no, it's not 300 million. It's 8 billion. <laughs> right. Now, uh, arguably, you know, we'll have uh, a little more pull than, you know, some of the billions. Again, uh, the problem is it's going to take a long time to ramp up how many vaccines are available. So, you know, the first uh, grouping of vaccines will go to the frontline workers in the hospital, the emergency rooms, the ICUs, the paramedics, you know, people that are interacting all the time, uh, police, teachers. Right. And by the time it's available for the general public is we're still looking at April, May, maybe earliest March, I think, when it's rolling out for everyone. Right. Well, that's and, – and again, the other issue that I find and, – and I'm personally not very comfortable jumping into the front of that line when it becomes available. I mean if, if April or May rolls and you send me you know, your patient email saying, hey, John, you know, come on down. We got a COVID shot for you. Um, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm doing that until I'm starting to hear a little bit more of what this is. I mean we're talking 30,000, 40,000 people have already had it, which is a fairly reasonable sample as far as I'm concerned. But there are just so many different little things that can – tweak things off that I, you know, I, I would almost hesitate to do that. And I know that they said that only 30% or 40% of the United States is, does the flu vaccine. Well, I think that, uh, I think when the COVID vaccine is proven to be effective and proven to be safe, um, and I'm going to put some asterisks next to those provens and come back to it. But 
I think when it's proven to be safe and effective, uh, it, because of, uh, you know, just how traumatized everyone has been with this and how deadly it is, I, I, I think that there's going to be a better uptake than, than with the flu. Um, and of course, that, that's dependent somewhat on, you know, if people are, you know, playing political games with it or not. Uh, but as far as safety measures, you know, you're spot on. Um, I would not recommend being one of the first people to get it um, because there's unless you're in a setting where your risk of dying from COVID is so high, such as being an ICU nurse uh, or, you know, ER or paramedic or something like that, uh, then I think that it's best to not be one of those first people. Because even if you test it in 30, 50, 100,000, you may only have a side effect that could be paralyzing or something at one in a hundred thousand that suddenly, you know, when 300 million people are getting it, it's happening all the time. Well, I know um, we're sitting here looking at, you know, we know so much more about the virus today than we did in March of 2020. And I, I remember when it first came out, I mean, the big push was ventilators, ventilators. This is a respiratory – this is attacking the respiratory systems. We need to make sure that people are continuing to breathe. And now I'm reading and hearing that it – yes, certainly it does, but it also may have a pulmonary issue. Um, is that the right word for a heart? No. No. Uh, cardiac. Cardiac. Cardiac uh, issues. And it may have uh, you know, the, the sense of smell, the olfactory issues. Boy, there's a, there's a medical term for you. Uh, <laughs> And we're learning more about it. And I mean, you don't hear about people going into the hospital and needing the ventilators and the shortage of the ventilators. Part of that is because we've been able to make so many more and people are pretty stocked up with it, I think. But I think also the way the disease is progressing or affecting different people. And as, as you pointed out that, you know, you've got some 80, 90 year old people that just, you know, okay, I had a couple snipples for a week and I'm good. And a, a teen that's hospitalized for three weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. it's it's kind of kind of crazy there. What advice do you give? I mean, what can we do as people just walking down the street? I mean, we hear the three W's: wash your hands, watch your distance, and wear your masks. Or as the governor says, wear the damn masks. Um, <laughs> but I mean, is there anything else that we can we can do about that? I mean, what we're going into the holidays. Uh, Thanksgiving pretty much sucks for a lot of people. For most people, do we expect that to suck? equally for Christmas and New Year's. What can we do day to day to stop this or slow this down or just to make sure that we're safer? Yeah, I think uh, the, the toughest thing about it is, uh, you know, and anyone who's ever, uh, I don't know, run a marathon or done an Ironman or, you know, really, you know, been competitive in something is that sometimes it's a matter of like digging deep and pulling out, you know, when you just feel like you've hit the wall. And as a country, you know, we've hit the wall with COVID. <laughs> you know, we've all had it. You know, we're, we're all tired of the damn mask. Uh, we've all got COVID fatigue. Um, but I think number one is we need to really dig deep and, you know, find that strength. Uh, maybe, you know, to me, I, I, I look to the, the great generation and, you know, getting through the Spanish influenza, 1918, 1919, and getting through... Uh, World War II, and I mean, they, they went through a lot. And um, I think, you know, my goal personally, and for my patients is, you know, I'd like to try to get through this uh, experience, uh, recognize that it's a period of time that is hopefully going to be a year, year and a half at the most, uh, and it will be a, a small blip in the whole of our lives. 
and I want to try to get through this knowing that I did everything uh, the best way that could be done. You know, as far as prevention or, or, or awakening that, that feeling in you, you know, as we approach roughly 3,000 deaths a day, um, I mean, that's, that number is kind of magic, you know, uh, not magic, but it's a special number because that's how many people died at 9-11. So, you know, that, I mean, you imagine those two World Trade Centers coming down after these planes hit them and, and the way that we felt as a nation, and that's happening every single day. <laughs> that, that's one, one analogy that I looked at. I said this is at, at – I can't remember what point it was, but a couple of weeks ago. I said this is like eight planes crashing every day. Yeah. And nobody surviving. Right. Yeah, Boeing tries to pull that and we'll be, you know, we'll say, you know, but I mean, we, you know, we're right on <laughs> yeah. top of that. But, yeah. um, but this is not, uh, you know, it's not here. I mean, it's huge. The number is huge to be able to see that. And I mean, I know right here in Anne Arundel County, we've got 280 some odd people, I believe it is, that have, have died over less. And we're just a very small county of half a million people. It's significant. You know, I wish more people would be a little bit more proactive. The mask is irritating. I did talk with a friend of mine whose grandmother is 103 years old. Uh, she's losing her hearing, and that's about it. She's not not crazy or loopy or Alzheimer's or anything like that, and she's still living on her own, and her sight's going a little bit. But she said, I was born in 1918 or 1917, and damn it all, I'm going to see this through. And I'm like, yeah. and and here's, you know, as I thought about that, I said, here's a woman that lived, you know, I wouldn't say she experienced, but that. You know, the 1918 flu that we had, I mean, she's been through two world wars. She's been through, you know, terror. She's been, you know, she's seen, you know, cars and internet and indoor plumbing and phones and, you know, all sorts of crazy things. Uh, and the sacrifices that those that came before us are really ins are really significant compared to what we're being asked to do at this point. Uh, you know, wearing wearing this mask. I hate it. I mean, I always forget it when I go into a store. I get in my car, I get to the front door, and go, "Oh man, I got to walk back to the car and get my mask and and do it." It's it's uncomfortable, but if we do it for a little bit, it will help. And yeah. um, you know, and we just no, and 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 staying home. You know, like we we view this as uh, this nightmare, but uh, you know, we've got Hulu and Amazon Prime and Netflix. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't mean to be glib about it because, it, it, I mean, it is a sacrifice and, and it is driving a lot of people crazy, uh, you know, kids at home and all that. Uh, and, you know, the economic impact, especially on small businesses, is is absolutely devastating. Uh, but, again, you know, the idea of either dying yourself or causing the death of, you know, someone in your family uh, is just really, to me, you know, trumps everything else. Um, it's just unacceptable uh, I, to, I agree. to put people at risk. I agree. Maryland does ha is now participating with the COVID track, not COVID tracking, COVID alert app. And it's got, yes. a, it's got a fancier name on that. What are your thoughts on that? Fantastic. Uh, very private. Um, that creates this series of numbers uh, that is scrambled every 10 to 15 minutes and it uses this uh, near Bluetooth that's very low energy uh, so that if you are within six feet of someone for more than 15 minutes and they test positive, you'll hear about it. Um, and so I would definitely encourage people uh, to 
make sure that's activated. I think Android users have to download it and um, iPhone, iOS users, it's on your phone. You just have to activate it. And I, I think I think it's a great idea, though. I mean, if I'm hanging out with you in your office, and all of a sudden, you know, one of your patients had tested positive, you would get the alert, and then you know, it's sort of automated contact tracing to a degree. Yeah, and very um, much so. And there is, there is no cost; it is anonymous. Uh, you don't know who exposed you; you just know that you were exposed potentially at some point within the last you know, two weeks or whatever it may have been. Um, but yeah, get the app. You can do that. You can turn that on if you have an Apple phone. Just go into the general settings and it's down there under COVID notification. Um, and then Android, you can uh, you can download that from the App Store and get that. I, I, I'm a fan of it. Uh, knock on wood again, my phone has not gone off and alerted me yet. So that's a, um, that's a good thing. One thing before we go, Dr. Friedman, is... You are – I don't want to say you're the governor, but if you had the complete power right now uh, to put whatever – regardless of ramifications, whether they be economic or social, societal or whatever it may be, what would you say to do right now to kick this thing in the ass? Well, you know, it's uh, – it, it, there, there's nothing special uh, or – I mean I'm not going to share with you anything that – that isn't known by every scientist in, in the world, uh, certainly the United States. There was a 400-page um, playbook put together d- for dealing with this pandemic. We are 50, 60 years overdue for this. Uh, so a lot of us have been just knowing this was um, going to happen. And year after year, uh, it's we've been waiting for it to happen. And there's a very, very clear, extremely well thought out um, playbook as to what to do. And unfortunately, it's uh, we are headed towards a lockdown, as much as I hate to say it. And, and I feel terrible for Governor Hogan um, that, you know, politically he's, you know, in this position because uh, there's so much pushback uh, to doing the right thing. But if you look at New Zealand, if you look at uh, South Korea, if you look at any of the other countries, I mean, they have had tremendous success uh, with doing an initial lockdown. Uh, and a lot of countries are going to this now, the UK, a lot of places, a 28-day lockdown. Once you get the level low enough and you have your contact tracers in place and enough testing, you can go about your daily lives. And as soon as someone gets it, you trace it down and you stop it cold in its tracks. And uh, the death rates uh, for South Korea, New Zealand, all these places that have done a good job are so much lower than ours. Um, I mean, you might remember these at first they said 60 to 100,000 uh, deaths. Well, it, you know, if we would have followed what we were supposed to be doing and, and been good about it, that's where we'd be. And now we're looking at, you know, potentially 400,000 by uh, the end of January. It's just, uh, it's abysmal. Do you feel that that number is a, a legitimate number? I mean, right now in the United States, I mean, we're looking at uh, 257,000 deaths so far. So you, you think within two months that number is going to not quite double, but one and a half? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I you know, I'm not so uh, narcissistic that I think I know something better than, you know, the the average person. I mean, 
it, this is what um, most of the COVID projection models are looking at. Um, even if we really tamp things down, we're still looking at um, you know probably around uh, the upper 300s uh, deaths, but you know potentially as high as four 500,000 by January 31st. Oh. Um, and and people don't understand. I can't get my mind around exponential growth. You know, when something is doubling every day, uh, which we're not at that quite yet. But, you know, if you have something doubling every day, uh, you know, that's like your kid comes to you and says, pay me a penny a day. This is the classic example. Pay me a penny a day uh, for allowance on the first of the month. The second, you give me two cents. The third, you give me four cents. And then at the end of the month, I forget what the number is, but it's like $15 billion a day. (laughs) So it's just it goes up so fast. Um, uh, So it's it's really terrifying. Um, I think I I tend to agree with you. I spoke with a couple different business owners earlier today. And honestly, they thought that there was a lockdown coming yesterday. I figured that he might announce it and make it happen on Friday, get through Halloween, get through Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and um, and and do that. And I, I, you know, I I get it from a political aspect that you know you need to keep this economy open. You're coming into a critical period of time for anybody that's in the retail business. Um, but you know, we we oh, the the vi- the virus has doesn't care. It's all, what is it? It's all out of F's to give. I mean, it's it's just going to steamroll through and at the cost of losing, you know, half a million Americans is just crazy. Uh, And even if you take it outside of those, you know, numbers, which are just, they're really hard to grasp. And even, you know, for me to appreciate what that really means, but you know, if it, if it comes down to, to losing someone in your family, you know, when you're getting to those kind of numbers, you're, you're probably going to. Um, and it's just something that most of us don't want to do and don't want to risk. There's a, a really wonderful app that uh, I would recommend to all the listeners uh, It from uh, Brown. Um, I don't remember offhand what the uh, website is, but if you go to... Uh, Brown Medical School, or if you um, just Googling uh, COVID uh, risk calculator, or if you go to our, our website, uh, www.emcforme.com, and then click on the COVID info link. Uh, so hopefully we're, we'll figure out what we're doing, and I, I, I appreciate your time, your honesty, and uh, your advice, as always. Always a pleasure, John. All right. You have a great Thanksgiving with you and your family, and we will uh, touch base probably a little bit later. Sounds good. Be safe. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionannapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.